Happy Halloween and welcome to week nine of the regular season in 2023. I'm Adam Wright with Chris Kostich. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. So we have a great episode for you guys tonight. So we are going to end up recapping the first half of this season. We're not quite halfway through, but we're doing it a week early um, to, to align with Halloween. This is a Halloween-themed episode um, recapping the first half of this season and joining us to cover all of these topics. We have special guest and host of the Rufus Rundown podcast. We have Lucas Ferreira. Lucas, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys having me. Really, uh, really looking forward to getting into this. And I think this is kind of almost long overdue being able to join. Um, kind of funny how you guys have Chris on here too. work with Chris over the summer. So this is probably a collaboration that should have happened. Uh, considering three, the, the, three. the Dean connection. We got three Brockton Rocks guys right here. Yeah, I, I feel right. like yeah. considering the small world connection between all of us, I feel like this is like it has been talked about, like building up to a long period of time. But like realistically, when we look at all the parameters, it probably should happen sooner <laughs> rather than later. Yeah. And, you know, finally, finally able to join up and uh, make some content together, which is nice. Absolutely. It's great to have you on a great sports mind and to help us cover some of these topics. So we're going to start off. With another with a Halloween themed segment, call it jump scares. So from the first half of this season, we are giving you some of the biggest surprises of you know things that have just come out of left field from this season. And um, I can start us off and give you guys this one. Zach Wilson. Not just Zach Wilson this season, but Zach Wilson in October. So the second half of the first half of this season, three and one. And the one game that he lost, that's the game that you could argue was his best statistical game. So it, he does have a three to one touchdown interception ratio, but he's also three and one on the season and they've been beating some good teams. Um, so this is, so this, I mean, this Jets team, what if, what if Zach Wilson actually works out? He has been getting a little better as the season has gone on in some quarterbacks. You know, some quarterbacks, they take a little a little more time than others. You don't always have the C.J. Strouds and, and uh, um, Justin Herberts of the world who are just – who light it up right when they get in the league. Sometimes it takes some time. Yeah, and potentially Jets could – I mean – if the science works out, we could even get Rodgers coming back late in the season for a potential playoff run if Zach Wilson can get them to that spot too. And he didn't have a great game against the Giants, but that this past week, but that was kind of just one of those slugfests. He went he went 17 for 36. That's sub 50%, but in general, yeah, he's had a great month of October. It's the headband to be honest. Um, Once he took it off, yeah, he took it off, and he's been playing a lot better with it, or without it, excuse me. Uh, in this month alone, 62% completion percentage, eight, <clears throat> excuse me, 870 yards, like you said, three touchdowns, one interception, 85.1 uh, QBR. I'll take that any day. Yeah. I, th I, th I think there's two sides of the coin, though, right, because you look at him as a first-round pick, right? So it's like, is he living up to the hype first-round pick? No. 
but you don't need him to. You you got Aaron Rodgers there. You're literally just looking for him to be serviceable enough to get you to where you need to go, where you thought you belonged. And I realistically, did I see the Jets as a division winner at the beginning of the season? Probably not. You're in one of the best divisions probably in football this season between the Bills and Dolphins and the talent there. So if he doesn't turn the ball over, that is his only thing is not turning the football over. You mentioned only one pick in those stats you're just reading off. Like if he doesn't turn the football over, that defense is good enough, that running game is good enough. I think they're more than capable than you know, being able to sneak into the playoffs. And if that's when Aaron Rodgers makes the triumphant miraculous like return, then yeah, I'm all I'm all for it. But he's certainly been serviceable. And whether you're gonna keep him around long term or not, I'm not sure. But I think you can certainly get some for him. If you're getting six and seven round picks for Josh Dobbs, then I think you very well could, you know, get something for a guy like Zach Wilson, especially considering the offensive minds in this league. It's a possibility. All right. And sorry, another thing I want to say too that the Jets are relying him to throw the ball a lot too. There, the three ga- three of the four games in October, he's thrown over 33 times against the Chiefs, 28 for 39. Against the Eagles, 19 for 33. This past week against the Giants, 17 for 36. And, you know, that's huge to be able to rely on such on your young backup quarterback to throw the ball so many times, especially when you have a really good back as in Brees Hall. Yeah, and and he did it dancing with Patrick Mahomes of all quarterbacks. Like imagine just getting into getting into a shootout against the best quarterback in football, being one of the worst in football and actually holding your own. Whole thing was just insane. Um but I have my next one, uh the disappearance of vertical passing offenses this year. Um in case you haven't noticed, passing numbers and offensive numbers in general are down across the league. Only two quarterbacks around all of football are projected to throw for more than 30 touchdown passes. You know, you have over this offseason, we thought that offenses were going to take a massive jump. The ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, right? These were uh, the even the I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals were supposed to be continue continuing to do what they've been doing the past couple of years. None of that has really happened. I mean, Trevor Lawrence probably won't even may not even eclipse 20 touchdown passes um jared goff he's up there in yards but the touchdown passes are way down they are much more of a dink and dunk team than we than we previously thought i mean i've got to say like defenses have been doing a pretty good job of of containing these high level offenses and making them have to compromise and play more in the flats yeah, and I think that's just comes with defensive strategy just evolving. I mean, one of the things that us Pats fans saw was how they was their defensive game plan against the Dolphins. They went with the three high safety look the entire game, or at least the first game. I wasn't able to really watch a ton of the second game, but that's another defensive strategy that teams are doing to take care of some of the high flying offenses and take it away the deep routes is forcing you to have to go short and beating you in the short game rather than having Tyreek just go for a 50-yard bomb every single time. Right. And I completely forgot about Tua. I don't I believe he's supposed to get 30 as well. And if he doesn't then that's a that's a massive letdown yet again for for that kid. But Lucas, well, what are your thoughts? I'm I didn't mean to cut in there, but uh, like you have to think too with like there's a couple of different factors too, because obviously like if you're going to like the calls, I think, you know, referees and the way the league set up, it kind of supports more of a high powered offensive league. 
in in that being the case, like it, adapting a defense to all of this high powered offense is tough. Like how are you going to, you know, call plays and what's like more designed as a defense? There's drafting too. Like you draft more speed defenders, you draft second, make more secondary backs. Your roster's made up differently. Of course, it took a while for the offenses to get to this point. Remember, the Wildcat offense was a thing for a while uh, back in the mid 2000s and late 2000s, and how that had gone on. Like there was different adjustments in the offense. So obviously, there's checks and balances to it with how you build up a defense, how you put more speed on the field to defend uh, speed, or if you put guys deep, just don't get beat behind. You know, it also creates a discipline factor. There's a lot of young quarterbacks, a lot of young talented quarterbacks in this league. Josh Allen, of, of one to mention, that doesn't really have the patience to go on drives. They want to take, they make the big play. They want to take the shots. Mahomes as well. I mean, we've seen it for a couple of years now where these guys are super, super aggressive, super over the top, and it works. And like they're, you know, super aggressive, but it's a double edged sword if you start turning the ball over and if you, uh, you know, can't make those big plays, you're in big third down and longs. Now you're giving, you know, you can pin your ears back and you're just rushing the passer. You don't have to send simulated pressure. See more teams getting pressure with four uh, defenders, or at least the good teams that do. Um, so I think it's, you know, obviously it's taking time for defenses to adapt and offenses are going to find ways to adapt too, as in some of the teams that are more dink and dunk style. I mean, Tom Brady did it for years, James White, Shane Vereen, like receiving backs, like they were dynastic and they really never had an over the top playmaker. So it is doable. Um, but I like to see how the defenses have responded, like the checks and balances of, uh, the NFL in its own way have been you know cool to watch this year. Yeah. And see, and also seeing these, these offensive offenses adapt and still put up numbers. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, any, uh, uh, there's a lot of other quarterbacks who might still be trying to pound it down the field. I mean, they've been, he, he's been going to more of the, more of the, you know, the shorter passes, um, and playing more of a dink and dunk offense. So seeing the, seeing, seeing the, um, seeing the adapting is, I mean, it's working. So we're, we're seeing the league grow before our eyes. Um, I have one more. Tua's revenge tour. Now, we saw what Tua was like last year around this time, right? He was very good. They went eight and three, right? Um, we have some breaking news, but we'll get to that in a minute. No, um, no. What's the break? Oh, wow. Yeah, you might as well just tell the breaking news now, dude. Oh, my Lord. Uh, yeah. Commanders, Chase Young is being traded to the 49ers uh, for a mid-round, likely a mid-round pick. We don't know the, we don't know the, uh, uh, we don't know the uh, compensation just yet, but we'll get that to you as this, in, this information is developing. Um, listen, so. We'll just we'll just continue until we know what what the full deal is. Um, if it's a mid round pick, that's insane. But yeah, that's wild. We all know what Tua has been capable of in this pat in the past couple of years. I mean, he, with the weapons that he has, the defense that team has, this whole this whole Miami team has the has the potential to be really really good. Like one of the best seat, one of the top seeds in the league. Problem is, Tua needs to stay healthy. And that comes down to the offensive line. The line has been okay. And they also, Tua hasn't really needed much time to throw at all. So, you know, all of that is kind of working out. So if, if it stands, then I'll, I'll admit that I was wrong about the, the Dolphins in this, you know, during the preseason. I had the Bills winning this division. They could still do it. But uh, I got to say, good start again for the Dolphins. Um. So it's yeah. Sorry to cut in real quick. Third round pick for the Commanders is going to them for Chase Young. 
I mean, that's better than a mid round pick. It's still a day two pick. So it's, it's, yeah. it's better, but you have chase young and he's going to the 49ers. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. That's with Nick Bosa on the other side. Forget about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that goes to show, I mean, that's also game planning for the dolphins. They also have so many weapons around them, including the running game. Uh, they do a lot of RPO, which ha- has to be quick passes. So that definitely helps in the case of protecting uh, Tua a lot and getting that ball out. And that's a huge goal for a lot of teams is that the quicker you can get the ball to your best guys, the better chance you have to win these games. And you want to get the ball out to these guys quick. Yeah, it's um, and it helps that Tyreek Hill has that ability to play in to do in, intermediate routes. If you guys remember when when Hill was first when he first entered the league, he kind of he had a very limited route tree. It was either it was either the long bomb for the touchdown or or it was nothing at all. Very boomer bust type of player. Now he can kind of go underneath with those routes um, and use his speed to his advantage. So the fact that he's been able to develop and help Tua in that way is has been huge. All right. Um, so we do need to move on. Next we have our back from the dead segment. So what this will be is anything that we thought in the beginning of the season was, you know, was not going to work out. Turns out it will. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 Secret Weapon Consulting, Adam Wright, Chris Kostich, special guest Lucas Ferreira. All right, so we are now on to this next segment, Back from the Dead. So as I as I teased when we were going when we were going out of the neck the last segment, um, this is about this is about things that looked like were falling apart, but turns out it actually worked out. So most notably, our first one, back from the dead, Joe Burrow's calf. And so this guy, so this guy suffered a preseason injury to his calf early on in early on in you know in pre in training camp, and it looked catastrophic at first. Guy was carted off the field. Turns out they actually dodged a bullet. Just a strained calf. They didn't know the severity yet, but he mo- he was going to miss most of preseason, if not all of it. Um, so he did. He was. He did end up being ready for the regular season. Kid did not look right. The team started. What was it? One and three. Yes, they started yeah. one and three on the season, and it, it looked like they were a massive bust. Um, then you see his. Um, you see that the uh, uh, his the health started to improve. Good win over the Cardinals. Another win over the Seahawks. And then 
this past weekend against the 49ers, Burrow threw three touchdowns and I believe it was over 300 yards. If not, it was if not, it was close to it. But I mean, they look they look like they are getting better as time has gone on, especially with Joe Burrow's health. Now that he's healthy, we can we now see that um, this Bengals team can beat anybody when they are at their absolute best. And if they continue this, I mean, it's er still relatively early in the season. They're four and three. They could lose one or two games down the stretch, and you have a top two three seed in the league, perhaps the the top seed so the Bengals are the Bengals are getting there I'll let you take this one Lucas I mean I would pump the brakes on a little bit too but also you look at the rest of the division right they haven't won a division game yet this year um but only having really they lost to the Browns early you lose to the Ravens in a close one the Rams won uh not a super talented Rams team they really haven't beaten anyone yet per se because the 40 i mean the seahawks they did they did beat which is a legit i think a legit win for them the 49ers are a little banged up but when you look at the rest of that division as well too do like they have joe burrow and if he is healthy he's a legit threat and he's one of the probably the most monumental it factor in the league if not one of the top three i think in terms of the quarterback position and what he possesses to control not only a locker room but just any game that he walks into with enough health to produce so do the Steelers, the Steelers have Kenny Pickett and I like Kenny Pickett, but do I think he's in any way, shape or form going to you know, take that Steelers team to the next level? Like Burrow can take this Bengals team. No, no. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, even if he is healthy, certainly, you know, what they have now, if he's not healthy, their defense is good, but it's not sustainable, sustainable in these games, uh, especially late too. I mean, they're hanging around, but I don't see that the two quarterback play in front of him uh, to be able to make it sustainable. So I think when you have a top five player at that quarterback position, it totally changed everything. Now, obviously, health included is a big conversation to have, but if they can protect him just enough and they have a tough schedule coming up with you know the Bills, Texans, and Ravens, um, but overall, if they can get this Bills game, it's certainly going to not just back from the dead, like they're back on top again. So I, I think it's certainly something to watch for, but overall, yeah, I can. they have certainly – I didn't think they were recovering from where they were at, and now they're showing that they can certainly do it. Yeah, and they also had a – obviously, they had a great week against the 49ers, but they also – be a very beat up 49ers team to say the least as well but at the same time this kind of ha has happened the last two seasons right the Bengals go off on a slow start and then they turn it up around this point of the season to the point where they can go on a playoff run and get themselves into the divisional in the championship round so yeah I mean I was definitely on the bandwagon that they were not gonna be that great this season but I at this point, now that they seem like they're kind of moving into the right direction, it doesn't seem that surprising now because if you look back at the last two seasons. Yeah, listen, I so it's not really for me the the team that they beat. Um, it's more so how they did it, right? Yeah. I, I thought that I thought the that the Bengals were about to be back after the Cardinals game, not because they faced the Cardinals. It's because of the way that they did it. Joe Burrow looked like a healthy quarterback again. He was stepping into his throws. He was he was hucking it all over the field. And, you know, the, the week prior against the Titans, they only mustered up three points. So what does that tell you? It's not about the team that they face. It's about the health of the quarterback that they had. So when, so when they won, you know, they strung together a couple of victories. Um, in that 
uh, during that stretch of time, I believe Joe Burrow, so out of his nine touchdown passes, I believe seven of them were in the last three games. So that tells you that it's more about it's more about the health of Joe Burrow than anything else. So now that he is healthy, I, I'm telling – so what I am saying is when the Bengals are at their best, they can beat anyone in the league. It's not so much about the fact, oh, it's against the Cardinals. It's just they – Joe Burrow looked right. He looks healthy now. That is what's important here. Not just like, you know, just beating teams that you're supposed to beat. Of course you want to beat them, but it's also the way it looks too. And I think that's what is the most important here. I can agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it the games that you should be winning are the games that's going to build you a lot of momentum going into the game, into the tough games like the 49ers this week or momentum into your tough divisional games. I mean, yeah. you take a look at the, like, like the upcoming schedule. I better cut you off there. But like I said, the bills, the bills coming up Texans with a tough Stroud, but they're at home against the Texans. So, I mean, if you're looking at games that they should win, they're home against the bills um, coming up. I mean, you have the Ravens on the road following that Texans game at home. Then home against the Steelers, divisional games. You have back-to-back divisional games there against the Ravens, who are going to be atop of the division. Um, you would have to, you know, you're going to have to take a big win against the Bills in kind of a weird rematch game from last year, the game that obviously never you know, continued on. Um, and then you have that back-to-back division. Then you're on the road to travel to the Jaguars following back-to-back division games. So, so I mean, like, you, you look at how difficult that schedule is, and then they finish out the end of the season with the Steelers, Chiefs, and Browns. So, again, like, I'm not to – just jump on like the competition thing. Like um, they're going to have to keep him healthy in that sense. Like they, they have their work cut out for him. I and mean, they're one of the top teams, in the NFL last season, they're going to have a difficult schedule to follow. Um, I, I like the eye test a little bit. I need the eye test a little bit more. This bill game bills game again, being more of that. I, the true eye test for me, but yeah, I get, I'm, I'm on the same path with you, Adam and how they look like when Joe Burrow is healthy and right. There's little that this team can do wrong. They're in every, they're in every single game. They're going to compete in every single game that Joe Burrow is healthy and 100% agree with the weapons he has around him. Um, so, I mean, they've been able to bring the run game into it more as well, too. So any game where he's healthy, though, I think that they're going to compete. But I still would like to see a little bit more. Certainly. And they're going to need a very, very productive second half of the schedule. They, uh, I don't think any either. I don't think any of us can argue with the idea that this team needs to be much better in the in the second half than they were in the first half. Four and three, you can't you can't repeat that the in the second half of the season. They got they have to go on a run and show that they are the mighty Cincinnati Bengals led by Joe Burrow. Uh, but next, we've got um, we've got Kirk Cousins and his whole situation. Not only did he tear his Achilles, but he is in a contract year. So that's a dicey spot for himself and the Vikings. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast.
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, Chris Kostich, special guest Lucas Ferreira. So the Minnesota Vikings won, but at what cost? They have lo- so they have finally reached 500 after falling down. It was one in th- it, they were they fell down 0 and 3, and then 1 and 4, I believe. And they have managed to sneak their way back to four and four, 500. Only problem is Kirk Cousins, their uh, Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, is now out for the season with an Achilles tear. This is catastrophic because who else do they have at quarterback? It's all over for them. This that is that is going to be the season. So not only and not only that, but it may be Kirk Cousins. It may be over for him in uh, in Minnesota as well. Because he is now in a contract year. The Vikings, I'm not sure if they even wanted to pay him when he was healthy. Now what happens? What happens to Kirk Cousins? I'll let you guys discuss. I don't even know what happens. I mean, it. what a sad injury for Kirk. I mean, having a almost MVP caliber season and then you tear your Achilles after bringing your team back into the playoff picture. Man, that's just, it's tough. Cause now at this point with the injury, Kirk is probably going to this, he's losing millions because of this injury as well with it being the contract year. And Lord knows who's going to try to pick him up because he's probably, he's not going to be available till next season unless he uses the Aaron Rodgers treatment. But man, it's for, I don't even know what else to say about it. it you, you end up picking up Josh Dobbs uh, today and you Lord knows what's going to happen or how Josh Dobbs is going to lead the team, which I don't know if, I don't think Josh Dobbs is going to necessarily bring the Vikings to the playoffs at that rate. I think he'll get them close. It, he hasn't been terrible for the Cardinals. You know, he's shown a lot of good flashes, but you know, he, he did, he does great in the first half, but when it comes to the second half, he just kind of falls apart. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to end up happening with Kirk at this rate. Um, Lucas, what do you, what do you think? It's incredibly unfortunate guys. Couple of stats on Achilles 10 ruptures in the NFL 2020. There was a total of 17 for the whole year. 2021. There was a total of 16. 2022, there was a total of 18. And as of this season, uh, as of week eight, 18 already. 67% of those on grass, 78% non-contact. So the way I see it is that a couple of things have transpired. First of all, movement patterns within NFL athletes as a whole are flawed considering the lifting system and other different principles that exist, which is that's unrelated to player safety. But you start to look at you know, the turf grass argument, like they just have flawed movement patterns in the way that we lift and the way that we move. And it's unfortunate, but you know, considering how the you know strength and conditioning field is and how expensive it is, no one's really ever going to be willing to adopt change in it because of how many billions of dollars that industry is worth. But the other thing being too, is that we've worried so much about hits to the head on these quarterbacks, right? We're worried so much about taking the big blows and everything. Now everybody's going low. Everybody's trying to wrap and roll and you get rolled up on in the Achilles area all of a sudden, or in the ankle area, you get ankles, you get ACLs, you get valgusing of the of the you know the knee. You have the rolling down of those jo- of joints. Now it's it's a different aspect than getting clocked up top. Now I'm not saying that I think people would rather have CTE or concussions than they would have torn Achilles and ACLs, 
But remember when Gronk said it back in the day when he took the helmet to the knee? I think it was against the Bengals back in the day. He said, hit me up top. The, I don't care. It was the Browns. Browns, okay. So AFC North. But uh, yeah, I, I remember he said to go high. Now, again, you might make the joke that Gronk really didn't have much up top to protect, but that's neither either here nor there. Um, incredibly smart football guy, according to Julian Edelman. Um, but at the end of the day, like it, player safety is kind of turned out like these guys are getting rolled up on. It's happening more often with a non-contact or injuries like this that happen with these ruptures and these these tears. It's incredibly unfortunate for a guy who was having such a great year. But I don't know. He never won. I mean, I'm not going to kick a guy while he's down. He's never won anything. He's never won anything big. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole joke for the long time was Kirk didn't do much in prime time. And I'm not it's easier for me to say sitting from my college dorm room than it is for him to do on Monday Night Football. But he hasn't done anything. He's never won anything. So you're, you're paying guy a lot of money. He's a fantastic player. I think that they were, you know, they were probably on the route to the playoffs to beat that 0-3 or that statistical anomaly of being 0-3. But at the end of the day, like, um, you kind of look at it as the evil you know, the evil you don't know. Was he not? He probably wasn't doing enough to take you to that level, but at least you knew what you got out of him. So I don't know how they move forward. I mean, you have another guy in the division that uh, you get a team in the division that's going to have a high draft pick in the Bears. I don't know if you can do business with them. I mean, Dobbs is serviceable, but they just traded away offensive line too. So are you, are they going to sell and just, you know, try to run it out with what they have? I, I'd imagine they're trying to compete because they have a rookie late round draft pick that they could give experience to if they're willing to dislike. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, maybe we find something him. And if we don't, we move on. Kirk's in a contract here. We got to figure it out. Um, they had like, I think Jaron Hall is his name, the rookie out of BYU, the late draft pick. So, I, I mean, I think they're trying to compete for a playoff spot because they bring in a, a veteran serviceable guy. If they weren't, I would think that they would let the rookie ride, but I don't know. It's interesting. I feel bad for Kirk considering he's a man of faith and he's an you know, incredibly dedicated guy. feel bad for him. Yeah. And the other thing you could probably think of too is, you know, the Vikings were in a spot to fight the, for the playoffs. And now with these recent trades, you wonder if, you know, you have Josh Dobbs, you make it into a transition year for uh, me, not so much the rest of this season. You still fight for the play. You're still at four and four. You're still in the, in the running, but maybe next year we end up seeing it as more of a transition year and they don't, and they probably don't do as well next year. They make it into a transition year into uh, 2025. And the issue, the issue here is that it's like, one other angle is that they've won too many games to tank now. So they can't yeah. just they can't just commit to losing games and then, you know, let's go in for Drake May or someone like that. They can't do that anymore because they're now four and four. Right? They're I don't I don't believe that's going to be good enough for for you know a four win season where you're a top five a top five pick. Um so they'd have to give up of, too many assets to get the to trade up for Drake May or Bonex or someone like that. They'd have to probably get rid of Jordan Addison or a huge part of the defense like Daniil Hunter to get to that spot probably. Right. Well, there's a lot of teams that are worse off than them too. Like it's the, it's yeah. the Patriots conversation where I still think that like people with the Patriots want to tank, I still think that there's teams worse off. So there's a lot of teams that are worse off than the Vikings, even considering how poor uh, their situation is. Um, they've drafted. This is a team that's drafted well, though. So if you give them the tools, like the draft picks to do it, I mean, they drafted Addison. They got Justin Jefferson with the whole uh, Diggs ordeal. They, you know, Darisaw obviously has been really good. So they they have enough O line to protect. They moved on from Dalvin Cook. Like they've been able to draft well. They have a good offense in place. But how like 
again, you can't take a bridge year. This is not a team in that division, too, all things considered. The Packers no longer have Rodgers. The Bears are just a disaster no matter who they have or who they draft. You have to take advantage of the fact you're in a weaker division. And But the quarterback, considering how deep the NFC, like the NFC is not deep in quarterbacks. The AFC is incredibly deep in quarterbacks. So, like, I think you have an – like, considering how much of an offense they put around, like, Kirk Cousins, how good he looked, I feel like they're in a position where they are a quarterback away. Whether Kirk was hurt or not, they were still a quarterback away above Kirk. So, I don't know. I feel like a bridge year would destroy what they have going, especially as good as uh, O'Connell's been for them. I mean, I feel like they have to act proactively and not take the the bridge idea. I think it's like, you know, Dobbs – I don't know why they would try to compete either. Like, it's tough. It, it I don't know. It's, again, like – easier for me to say from here, like why you would, or what you're going to do. I'm playing armchair GM here from Dean college, but I don't know. I don't know how it, it totally destroys what they had going for them in terms of competitiveness and how their future was going forward. I just, I just think you have to say you've got, you've got to move on from Kirk cousins at this point. I understand like he's done a lot for this organization. He's a great guy. He's a, he's still a good quarterback as much as I like to jump on him trying to say he's not top 10. He's still, I still think he's a very good quarterback in this league, top half of the league, but um, this is an Achilles tear, and it's going to take some time for them to for him to re- to recover from. And I don't, they have a, they have especially on offense a roster that's that needs to compete now, so they may have to move on from from Kirk Cousins and find somebody else, whether that be in the draft, free agency, or through trades, because. They they really cannot afford to to work with, you know, to work with Kirk Cousins and say let's just transition uh, transition into twenty twenty five because that's way too many years off. That means Justin Jefferson's going to become a free agent some at some time uh, during that stretch of time. Jordan Addison's not getting any younger. He's going to he's going to start um, asking for money. So you got to go in. You got to go in on this now. You you have two you have two elite wide receivers over here you can't ju- you can't just go and say you know what nah let's just let's just go on to the next couple of years it's the the clock's ticking on these guys i mean that being said oh chris i don't know if you're gonna jump in no there. no you like, can go you can go they have the young pieces in place and if you draft a young guy you have to get it right but Think of all these other young quarterbacks, the Tua's of the world that haven't been yet to get their big contract. What do they have around them that's been able to allow them to be so successful? Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Like Mac Jones is really the only, only quarterback that's young and had success in his first season that they didn't instantly put weapons around knowing that they weren't paying the quarterback. So if you're in a position where you're not going to pay Kirk Cousins and you're going to try to find a young guy, you have the weapons in place around him and you're going to have even more money to spend not paying Kirk to put weapons around on both sides of the ball. So you have Flores, who's been putting their defense together. It looks like it's been getting uh, better more and more as the season's gone on. Um, You're in a position to, you know, have a young quarterback with weapons around him within a year or two before you have to start really paying everybody. So it's a small window, and they have to find a way to get it right. But I agree that Kirk Cousins, healthy or not, wasn't the answer moving forward for this team. But also, like, you don't want to make the decision that starts to make you 2-14 and with all that cap spent. So that's the yeah. that's the only road you run into, but again, this is I think this is an offense that he made Kirk look that much better in. You can't tell me that if you can't find the right young guy in the first round, like you make a draft. Like they've drafted very well with Addison and like Jefferson, like I said, Darisaw. Like they've drafted well recently. I mean, reasonably, you could. I'm not saying you're gonna win it with a rookie, but you should, uh, as they just say that Jaron Hall is gonna get the nods, uh, nod to start and not Dobbs. You get the alert now, but 
again, I, I think this is where you, this is where a young quarterback could begin to thrive in this system in a year or two. You could have you know, expensive weapons all around him. You still have him on the rookie deal for a while. You have to find a way to make a move for a first round draft, like one of these top guys in the Drake Mays or the Jaden Daniels or the Caleb Williams of the world. Yeah, and this is a this is a deep quarterback draft. So they could end up they could end up having somebody fall to them. Um, but it, it'll be it'll be a matter of what they want to do. If they decide to pay Kirk Cousins, then forget everything we've said about them going in the draft. But I just don't think they should. Even if he was healthy, I didn't think they should pay him. But it looks like they do like the kid. They do like him, and I like him too. As a, he's a good person. He has a good personality. Um, but ultimately, they need to move on from him, especially with the Achilles tear. Uh, but we do want to move on. We have Chris's weekly top three, bottom three. So week eight's best and worst performances. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright with Chris Kostich and special guest Lucas Ferreira. All right. Uh, before we get to top three, bottom three, more breaking news. Um, so another trade in the NFL. Donovan Peoples-Jones has now been traded from the Browns to the Detroit Lions. So they are continuing to go all in on the wide receiver like position in this uh this season, I mean, the Lions, they they feel this is their year. And they feel like Goff, and me too, he's growing on me. They feel like they can win a Super Bowl with this kid. And he has been to a Super Bowl already. And one can argue if he had, um, if they had Cooper Cup in 2018, maybe they g- generate more offense and they win that Super Bowl. Um, but I digress, Chris. If you guys want to give any thoughts, if we want to continue to uh, move I- on with – our top three, bottom three. I will say one thing about the Lions. That's a great pickup considering that they just got rid of Marvin Jones out of nowhere. And, well, he left the team and then they caught him. But that's still a good pickup to kind of replace him. But, uh, Lucas, do you have anything to add to that before we get into it? Uh, he's a speedy guy. He goes back home. He's from Detroit, Michigan. He played ball at Michigan in college. I know one of my teammates here uh, – Zion when he played here I'd seen him play in high school and like that's like kind of his moment where he realized like holy hell like there's a different level of like like I think I'm good and like watching that guy play in high school he was ridiculous they played some quarterback in high school too as most of these incredible athletes did um your return guy they have Khalif Raymond too he's kind of like their slot speedy guy holy cross represent um but you know I think it's a good ad I think it's an element that they don't really have right I mean Amin Amin Ross St. Brown is a really good route runner Khalif Raymond, Sam Laporta, like they have a lot of guys that run routes very well, do a lot of things well. Um, but adding like a genuine like speed threat like that over the top, that's definitely an added piece to the offense. And he can return; he's a return specialist too, so he adds in that department. So I think it's a minor pickup, but at the end of the day, um, 
adding a little over the top speed never hurts an offense, especially in that, you know, vertical passing that a lot of these teams have lacked. Yeah. Over 800 yards of uh, receiving did he, uh, he got in 2022. So he may have been underutilized here in, uh, in Cleveland in seven games, 97 yards. Um, but the potential is there. And this is a team that is currently looking to uh, contend. They're going all in clearly. Um, their wide receiver position is loaded. But, all right, I digress. Week top eight, top three, three bottom, bottom three. three. So, start. We got our top three. Panthers, they got their first win. Round of applause. Round of applause. That's, you know, getting that first win as a team that's as bad as the Panthers, and it sucks that they won't be able to actually have that first overall pick well they're not even projected to have the first overall pick now because the cardinals in there but in general it's a great morale booster for any bad team to get that first win Bengals, they're on a roll right now another good win and you beat a really good 49ers team granted a little beat up but i'll still give them the benefit of the doubt broncos they finally they finally ended the streak 15 straight game or excuse me, 13 straight games where, um, or no, it was, excuse me, not 13, 17 straight games where the chiefs have beaten the Broncos. Last time that the Broncos beat the chiefs was back in 2015 when Peyton Manning was still around. Unreal. Honorable mention chargers. Good beat up win on the, on uh, a bad bears team. Granny, you could, probably substitute the Chargers out of there and uh, the Seahawks getting a nice little uh, NFC West win against the Cardinals. Uh, Any thoughts from you two? I, yeah, I like the top three. I think, you know, they're two teams. So two of them are teams that have been, have not had the best luck lately, but they finally figured it out. The Bengals, I mean, we, we discussed them earlier on in the show, you know, this is, this is a team that is on the up and up and it looks like that. Um, this is the point, this is the time to buy in on them. And they're, they're a team that I believe is going to have a very, very good second half. So the, the, the sky's the limit for the Bengals right now, but I agree with this list. I think it's good. I do want to, uh, correct myself real quick. Seahawks beat the Browns. Not they beat the Cardinals last week. My apologies. But, um, Regardless, still good back-to-back wins, especially against a good Browns defense. Lucas, what you got? No, I like these, especially considering the Broncos and their slow start and everything. And I know everybody was on Sean Payton, myself included, considering he said it was the worst coaching job in NFL history that he walked into and then proceeded to start off and get 50-piece, 70-20. to Like, it just, you know, it it was a tough start. But I I like how they brought it around and – there's a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson, too, and you look at his stats, and, like, again, you don't want to just be a stat sheet watcher, but, I mean, realistically, Russ really hasn't been uh, a complete part of the problem there. It's been deeper than the quarterback position, and there's been a lot of turmoil there and stuff, but obviously when you have such a fundamental failure uh, overall as an organization and you have quarterbacks getting their own personal offices and stuff, it can take a while to turn that around. So I think it's nice to see the Broncos being able to do that and Russell Wilson kind of relieving uh, some of the pressure on himself. I would say um, – Maybe add to the list in terms of honorable mentions. Um, I I kind of, I mean, the Rams have been quite terrible, but the Cowboys being able to do what they do, I mean, I think everybody kind of recognizes them um, 
as a contending team. But then again, Dak Prescott's going to hold him back. But, you know, uh, the Cowboys have not, especially a part of this Dak era, have not typically been known as playing like up every game. Like a lot of times that they've been guilty of playing down to their competition. They had that Cardinals game earlier. So, you know, it's a Rams team that they should beat. They beat them and beat them handedly. Everybody showed up. Dak threw for over 300 yards. CeeDee Lamb had a big game. I think that's like, you know, that's a perfect picture, perfect game for the Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb looks like a true receiver one. Dak um, does only tur- has one turnover, but, you know, pretty the, the ratio was good there. And overall, the defense plays well, too, even with, you know, Trevon Diggs lacking. So, uh, overall, I would say that that might that was that one kind of stood out for me. Maybe you throw the Titans in there with Will Levis, but then you kind of want that to kind of marinate a little more. But overall, big fan of the list considering you know Panthers getting their first victory finally for Bryce Young. Yeah, I was thinking about the Titans too because the Will Levis thing and four touchdowns off the bench, or was it four touchdowns? Four, yeah, yeah. Well, not I mean not off the bench, but off the couch. You've been watching games yeah. for quite a little while. Exactly. Um, another thing about the Broncos too, is that Russ is in the top five for a lot of passing categories too. So like you said, Lucas, it's definitely deeper that, than the, uh, quarterback position. Uh, but moving on to the bottom three Packers, they have yet to score in 10 straight first half quarters. And I'll just leave it at that chiefs, their receivers got exposed. And the Broncos defense finally showed what they are capable of. And they showed at last year that they could be a good defense. And it was just a matter of actually producing that. And Vance Joseph hasn't done that great of a job with, hasn't done a good job at all, but this was definitely a great win. I mean, granted, you still have Travis Kelsey getting six catches, but you know, Rasheed Weiss, Justin Johnson, Justin Watson, Marquise Valdez, Scantling. They're not going to do it for you. They're really not. Maybe Valdez, Scantling, but the receivers in general got exposed in this game. Raiders. Jeez, oh, get Devontae out of there. Oh, my Lord. Three, three balls. Three balls. Two of them horrible overthrows from Jimmy G. One of them. Uh, was a touchdown ball that was A, in double coverage, and B, underthrown. And on top of that, Josh McDaniels can't seem to get Hunter Renfro involved in any part of the offense when he was able to get Amendola, Edelman, Chris Hogan, all involved in the offense as a slot receiver for the Pats. And for some reason, he can't do it for Hunter Renfro. Oh, man. I just can't believe Josh McDaniels is even a head coach, or he just got hired as a head coach to begin with. 49ers. I'm kind of debating if I even still want to have the 49ers on here because they're still dealing with Trent Williams being out, Debo out, defense a little beat up. But now they got Chase Young, but so that's a little different. Steelers. I said this a couple weeks ago. They still have yet to put up a 400-yard game since 2020. And... That showed. And on top of that, you lose Kenny Pickett. Mitch Trubisky does what he can. But all in all, that offense is still just in shambles. Fire Canada. Even with even with Deontay Johnson coming back. Let me give you my my initial thoughts right out of the gates. I think this is more I think this is a lot more on the 49ers than we might think. I get it. They're banged up. Um, but what has been the one knock? that we have always had on Brock Purdy since he's joined the league. 
for his talent success. Around him. He has all this talent around him. It's once he loses some of this talent, then he's, he's not going to be that good. I, and I wanted to start that conversation about him being an elite quarterback. I made a reel about it earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know what? Let's start that conversation. Two things can be true at once. Maybe he actually can play, and he does have happen to have a lot of talent around him. Now we're seeing what it looks like when he doesn't have as much talent around him. Trent Williams was out, right? Debo Samuel has been has been absent, right? And you know you could you could understand a slight drop off, but the way that he has played lately, a one to three touchdown to interception ratio, that's not good. He has not been a very good quarterback the past three games, and the teams that they have lost to outside of the Bengals, you lost to the Browns and the Vikings. That's not acceptable. So, like, yeah, like maybe we can maybe let's give him some more time. But this is not a good sign for Brock Purdy, who's now working with a little more adversity. What I believe about about elite quarterbacks, about the best of the best, is they are the guys who can make up for some of the weaknesses on your team. Joe Burrow can do that. Patrick Mahomes has shown to do that. Tom Brady used to do that. We can even talk about Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers being able to make up for some deficiencies, right? Brock Purdy has not done that yet. He's let's, been able to, let's he's, not, been, he's been able let's, to excel in good in good situations, but when the situation doesn't look that good, he's I mean, he hasn't played that well. Let's not forget that he was just on concussion protocol last week. He probably shouldn't yeah. even have been playing in this game. Right, but he was cleared. Still, anyone else on concussion protocol, they're done for that week. And he threw two more interceptions. Granted, he still had 365 yards, so probably that didn't matter. But regardless, he probably shouldn't even have been playing to begin with. Sure, but he played poorly before the concussion too. So, like, well, I mean, three, three, well, straight losses two intercept- three straight losses. Well, the two interceptions in the last five minutes of the Vikings game, you could say that he was – his head was spinning. Still fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. You could say that. It's possible. But, I mean, like, if you look at three straight games, and the two games that the two games before this game that you lost, they weren't, against, they weren't against a, a Bengals-caliber team. The Vikings aren't even supposed to make the playoffs. And, this, and they lost to them. And it was the same thing with the Browns. How did, how did they dance with you with P.J. Walker? How did that happen? I mean, it's just it. I I understand you're going through injuries, but when you if you have an, a truly elite quarterback, a, a quarterback who is the guy, he can make up for some of those deficiencies. That's why I've always hated the argument that you know he just needs all of this. He need, just needs that. I say this about Mac Jones. I say this about Kirk Cousins. If you need all of these different things in order to succeed, then you're not an elite quarterback. You might be a solid quarterback. But you're not a guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl. That's the way I look at it. Um, I I kind of I kind of see both sides of it there with Brock Purdy because like you can start the conversation of like is it what's around him or whatever. And again, people, it, it's the bias of like especially here in the Northeast too. Like, and I mean overall in the world, everybody knows Tom Brady went one ninety six and he was missing. Then Brock Purdy's Mister Irrelevant, and you know Tom Brady did a whole lot with nothing his entire career, taking pay cuts so they could build around him. And but that's just like. When are you ever going to see a guy go 196, become the greatest quarterback ever, win seven Super Bowl? Like again, like I think maybe we're projecting a little too much of what we've seen out of him and trying to think like, oh, Purdy's not the guy. It's all right. It's a quick to do it. 
But at the same time, everybody's too quick to also hype up. Like it's too way too high and too low with him. Like maybe we should meet somewhere in the middle. Everybody was like, oh, Mr. Relevant's going to go and do the amazing thing he's doing in San Francisco. Tom Brady was a Bay Area kid and they're trying to make the comparisons. But then at the same time, the other end of it is now is like, oh, he's nothing with nobody around him. Like maybe somewhere in between he was definitely underdrafted, but certainly has certain talents. But I think at this point in his career, yes, um, a lot of that system that surrounds him and what he does is obviously based off the talent he has around him. Not to his fault, but also at the same time, if you want to start being considered, you want to sit at the big boys table, you got to wear the big boy pants and take on those, um, take those hits from people like us too, saying like, hey, you haven't really done anything without those guys either. So I can see it there. I mean, they're, they're a missed field goal against the Browns away from winning that game, even in the game where he struggled. So like that's worth noting too, where they could very easily be six and two at this point and not the five and three. That could be a difference. But again, we're not going to play what if here, like at the end of the day, get it done. If you're going to be one of those guys and you're a true contending team, you will find a way to get it done more often than you don't. And right now they've been slipping. Uh, the Chiefs kind of trying to do the Tom Brady system, right? Where you, you pay the quarterback, you, you pay one big weapon, and you, you you put together a young drafted defense, and then you just take a bunch of used parts and you put them at the receiver position, and you hope to figure it out. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd have the Chiefs listed here just yet, but they, it's clear that the wide receiver position has certainly uh, been a miss for them. Um, I would. I mean, even though the Jets won, and we've said a lot of nice things about the Jets and Zach Wilson. 24 total punts. Can we put the Jets and the Giants? 24 total punts between two teams. Did anybody try to watch that game on red zone? No, you didn't. It didn't show up on red zone. Nobody scored. Nobody did anything. I, I think football should be banned from the like after performance, ban football in New York. No more. You guys, if we had like give me two XFL teams for a year, you guys go play in the XFL for a year. We're gonna relegate you like it's European soccer. After I, I couldn't you can watch it because I was watching red zone. I'd say I you I couldn't watch it because how disgusting it was. But I didn't have to because it was never on red zone until the overtime period hit, which, by the way, had the Jets minus two and a half. Love it. Love it. Won my pool this week. Guys covered for me. Absolutely outstanding. But banned football in New York, like dumpster fire, total and complete dumpster fire that I witnessed in the city of New York with the Jets and Giants game and almost deserving of their own separate segment of how bad that football game was, but you know, I'm seeing the rest of the list. Totally agree. McDaniels. Um, I didn't put Denver completely on McDaniels because they drafted Tim Tebow. That never worked out, but now that McDaniels has brought in his guy and Jimmy G and has still continued to not only not put together a winning team, but a poor culture. Uh, this one's on McDaniels and there's not really a job waiting for him back in New England, at least as far as I'm, as long as I know, um, I don't know who's going to be there to hire him at the rate that they're going. Um, so that door is not going to like, you know, you don't burn any bridges, but over 20 years, the dynasty doesn't stay around forever. You can't just go back to bill and things don't work out as a head coach, especially because things aren't really working out for him as a head coach himself right now. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the chiefs, it's a little hot there, but everybody else pretty much is urban to, to be at this bottom three. A lot of good candidates, honestly, like I, I think you underscored the fact that there are so many, there were so many bad teams from this two of them in one matchup. And it's crazy to think that the the Giants actually have four Super Bowl victories and are still I, playing football right now. I took I kept the Giants off just solely based off that they ended up having to go down to the third string quarterback and negative one passing yards. Yeah, negative one passing yards. It's just insane. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to fault a team for sucking because they have their third string quarterback. You know. <laughs> That is a fair point. That's a reason why I pro I would have had the the 49ers 
over the over the Raiders on the actual top three, just because I kind of expected the Raiders to be bad, especially against a, a really good Lions team. The 49ers should be a lot better than how they played the other night. Uh, yeah, the other night. So that's just that's just kind of my opinion. My, I digress though. But um, we are going to need to move on, and we have. Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. We have Chris's guests. Uh, Jesus, we have Chris's <laughs> all over the place today. It's been a long day. Um, we we've got Chris's trivia segment. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Eight in Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, Chris Kostich, special guest Lucas Ferreira. Chris, take it away with your trivia. Darren Bland, corner for the Cowboys, picked up his third pick six of the season on Sunday. And 20 receivers, well, 20 players in general. It's not just receivers. There's a good mix of tight ends and a running back or two in here as well. But in general, 20 players have exactly three receiving touchdowns this year. Adam and Lucas, I will give you two strikes to name two strikes each to name as many of these guys as possible. And it's not like it's just a bunch of wide receiver twos and threes. It's good mix of like wide receiver ones, some good tight ends here and there. And one running back. DeAndre Hopkins. No. He just he had a, he, he had one more before last week. That was about to be. Um, I was gonna be. That was gonna be my well, before first. Before this week. No, I mean before this week because DeAndre no, Hopkins I'm, had three touchdowns this week. Yeah, but he had he had yeah. one before this. Like he had one before he caught the three this week. Oh, so okay. Was, I'll get. Was, I'll give you that one then because I. Uh, it's not on this list I'm looking at, so I'll give you that one. Yeah, I was gonna say because he had none leading up to this week where he caught three, so that would have been my yeah. First pick as okay, well, I'll so. I'll give you that one because That's this a, list the bonus I think. Yeah, I think this list was this list is based off a of Sunday night football uh on NBC's Instagram page. So I think this was made uh right after Darren Bland had gotten the th- his third pick six. Oh, so you- oh, oh, before they actually tallied up the day or is it Yeah, just- so I'll so I'll give you I'll give you that one, Adam. Okay. The D-hop one. Appreciate it. All right, Lucas, since I jumped the gun, I think we oh, usually go with the guess first, but no, yeah, we do. What do, does does Brees <laughs> Hall have three host. receiving touchdowns? Am I not? Does Brees Hall have three? He, no. he is not on this list. Boyle. All yeah. right, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is on this list. Um, dude, I don't think Terry McLaurin has a reception touchdown. I don't think he even has one this season, so I'm not going to go with him. There's got to be. Trying to think here. Definitely not. I'm not going to go to Vontae Adams. 
Kendrick Bourne, no. Gasicki, no. I'm not. Why do I? Why am I thinking of bad offenses? Why am I? Why is my instant thought to go to bad offenses for? <laughs> go go back to that first name. Go back to that name that you just had. You literally just had him. Gasicki. Is that what I said before that, or is it before after? Um, why do I? I can't remember what I just said. What I just said. Wait. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get. I'll give you this one because you said you. You said Devonte Adams. He is on. He three. has three. Okay. Yeah. So I'll Stephon Diggs. Uh, Diggs is not on here. I would right. love to see how many. We're talking. We're talking exactly three receivers. Like touchdowns. three in a game or three. No, in just general. three. This oh, exactly season. three. Yeah, he has way more than three. Yeah. I'm trying. To, um. I can't think of my Saints. There's not anybody that's actually done enough like for them, like overall, that I could actually bet on. I'm not gonna go Packers. My mind instantly is drawn to bad offenses. I don't know why I'm like I'm guessing low touchdown catches for bad offenses. I would think of like a wide receiver, like two would be more uh realistic. It's the downside C- of being a Patriots fan. Not yeah, right. I'm not thinking CD Lamb. I shouldn't think CD Lamb, although eh, no, I'm not thinking CD Lamb. Um, Chargers, Keenan Allen, no, I wouldn't think. The other kid's young. Chiefs, no. Broncos, good Lord knows if Cortland Sutton has three. I don't even know how much Go back he's to actually. The Chiefs. Go back to the Chiefs. Chiefs, I'm not, Kelsey has more than, does Kelsey have more than three? Not Kelsey, I'm thinking of, um, wouldn't be Tony. Would it be the running back? Would it be McKinnon? Uh, um, not Kadarius, Tony. Who else How many strikes is this? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just rambling. He's just, off. I haven't. No, he's just, he's going. I'm, 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 thinking, I'm just thinking, thinking out loud. I'm, I, I got. I'm just thinking yeah. out loud, so at least I don't. It's not just dead air. It's just I'm feeling the dead <laughs> air silence. That I'm trying to at least give people like a, a train of thought of like where my brain is at. Um, reception touchdowns for the chief. I'm trying to think. Not. Oof. I'm trying to think. Titans, no, that wouldn't be a bright decision. It what about not. the rest of the AFC South? Tank, does Tank Dell have three exactly? He does not. What? You're on the right track. Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice, yep. So, Adam's now up three to one. Um, Lucas is at two strikes now. Adam's at one strike, but... I thought we went with two strikes to begin with, right? Yeah, we're going three. I lost two to one. Let's just do the three strikes. Do the three strikes. Okay. Take another shot, Lucas. Tank Till had two. That's upsetting. Um, three receiving touchdowns. Um, Laporta caught another one last night. I don't know if that. that, that I'm going to go Sam Laporta. Yeah, Yeah. three. Are you only caught one last night? Unless that doesn't count because, well, no, Sunday night they should have counted it up. I don't know. Maybe he has more than three now, actually, considering the list. I'm but going I'll based off. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take Sam Laporta. All right. Now I now I actually have to step it up because now it's 3-2. All right. Let's think. Okay. Um, You were thinking you, – you said right track when you said Tank Dell. Yep. So I'm going to go with the other guy, Nico Collins. Nico Collins. He has – Three, four to two. Adam with the lead. Oof! Back to Lucas. It's a, a big play right there. That's a monumental play. 
I'm trying to think of who I've seen making toe tap grabs. I mean, there's guys who have plenty more. I don't think Devontae Smith's been in the end zone three times, so I'm not going to go with Devontae Smith. Like, I, it, they have like, a, a, there's so many guys who like come to my mind, but like, it's like more than that number. So I'm like, I'm trying to adjust my brain. There's, I can't believe there's 20 that have exactly three. That's a, it's a wild, wild thing. I don't know why I can't like mentally process who the Cardinals would have, but they're pretty terrible. Cardinals uh, don't have anyone. Mark and my uh, Mark. And... Oh, that's actually a lie. The Cardinals actually do have one. They do have one of them. Mark Andrews, yeah. I think has more than three. I'm not going to stick with them. Um, does George Pickens have three exactly? He does not. Oh my God. Three strikes. Andrew. Jalen. So, Jalen Waddle's not on here, but um, so some other notable names. So Adam picks up the win. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait a goddamn that? second. George Pickens does have three exactly. Does he have three? Jeez. Yeah. This list is just lying to me. <laughs> Whoever was on graphics for this, for oh, this game dude, that you were seeing, geez. man. Dude, like it's it's like the whole TV production thing where it's like, hey, if like if it looks good, no one's gonna question it. Yeah, right. I am now I am now the I am now the guy questioning. All right. So Lucas still had two strikes then. All right. So it's four to three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only looking it up nice. after the fact too. I'm not. I'm not cheating. I'm only like double. I'm only fact checking. No, myself I hear you. Wrong. I hear you. I'm gonna have to fact check myself now. All right, Adam, we go to you. Uh, Jalen Waddle. Two to Jalen Waddle. Hold on. Does he have exactly three? Jalen Waddle has exactly three. Oh my goodness. There we go. All right, we gotta end this game, man. Let's let's keep going though. Oh man, definitely not Kyle Pitts because he doesn't catch anything. He couldn't catch a cold because they don't play call to him whatsoever. The other tight end though. Oh, the former Patriot. He could have three. Who? Um, What's his name? Janu. Janu Smith. Does he have exactly three? That'd be my last strike. I'll go with Janu Smith. One. Probably has two. Only has one. Only has well, one. You know what, though? That guy, the fact that he has turned things around in Atlanta after a stint with the Patriots who seemingly, who are supposed supposedly have the greatest coaching of all time. Oh, man, that's a bad look, especially with yeah, Belichick's history with tight ends. It's not a good look. Yeah, it is. Uh, Well, that's the list. Adam picks up his first win in trivia finally. Jeez, you're a thank, bomb. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning it in the group chat. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you could call me out on that. God, I was I was just I was having a nice Sunday morning. I was I was enjoying some coffee. Then I get a buzz from my phone. And it's yeah, just just want to let you, all of you know in this group chat, all five of you, that Adam's 0-3 in trivia. Oh and two. Now you're one and, oh two. and two. Don't worry. All right, all right, all right. We it's salvageable then. We have all season. It's gonna be yeah. We'll see how this goes. All right. Let's get to the fan box. Yeah, let's finish up this show. All right. Next, we've got the Fumble Rooski fan box. So at the half point of the season, we go every quarter. Who is so far the league MVP? That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast.
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Up Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with Chris Kostich and special guest Lucas Ferreira. We welcome you to the fanbox portion of our show. We post a question filter on our Instagram every Monday, and you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more. And we will discuss it and give you a shout out on our podcast. Respond to next week's fanbox question to be featured on our show. As uh and as uh, Rasul Douglas has now become a Buffalo Bill, just this uh, right this second. So they are working on their secondary desperately after losing Tredavious White. Um, they need it. Oh, God, did they? And Rasul Douglas is a pretty good defensive back. He's he's pretty solid. If there's any if there's any upside to this Packers team in the past few years, their secondaries have been pretty good, pretty well put together. All right, so. The question of the week for our fan box was who is the MVP so far this season? So every quarter of the season, we've done been doing this the past few years, right? So um, every quarter MVP so far this season, starting with Ian Mulhern, he said, Joe Burrow will bounce back. So this kind of contradicts where we, where we stand um, so far on the season rather than in the second half. Even if he does bounce back, I don't think he's going to break 30 touchdown passes this year. I don't even think he's projected to break 20 at this point in the season. Uh, But then again, uh, Patrick Mahomes had 26 in 2019 when he won the Super Bowl. Didn't win MVP, but he won where it matters, which is the Super Bowl. Um, All right. Aaron Wise said Tyreek Hill. And... I do want to start the conversation about the first ever wide receiver to win uh, a league MVP. And if there is one, it might be Tyreek Hill, who's on pace for uh, for the most electric season of all time, statistically, and even giving it the eye test. We were just saying before the podcast, like this MVP race could potentially, in general, be the uh, a non-quarterback MVP because that's how wide open it is. Passing stats are down around the league, and it's a prime position for wide receivers to break out. I mean, you look at how the offense is put around Tyree Kill. If he if he breaks the record for two thousand, he does it like even handedly. He gets over over two thousand and like does it even with the extra game. All things considered, like I couldn't think of a better resume to like for a guy to do it. Like it's not you're not just giving it to any receiver; you're giving it to one of the best we've ever seen, and statistically and obviously passing the eye test, dude's electric. And I don't want to get too much into the projections, but on ESPN, he's projected 2,200. I don't like it, it probably won't happen. These projections get always get crazy early in the season, but boy, imagine that. If, if Jettis didn't get hurt or doesn't get hurt, then those two would be neck and neck with that too. For the 2000, it's unbelievable yeah. how the, how the wide receiver position has reemerged in recent years. It has been actually electric and a pleasure to watch. Um, <clears throat> Grayson Mortimer said Tua. So we're taking a quick break from wide receivers. Uh, if any quarterback does it, I think Tua is definitely one of them. And I think he would be a popular pick considering I feel like most of the league is rooting for him to do well. After a tough year last year, um, he's been, you know, he's been working through some things. Um, you um <clears throat> you had the concussion issues last season. Um, and now he's on pace to have an, he's on pace to have an electric season. So we'll see. I mean, if a quarterback does do it, I think Tua would be on that list. I think it also depends on how he ends up performing against 
teams that are with losing records right now too, because that's another thing that the, the Dolphins are dealing with is that all their wins have come against teams that, yeah, sub 500 and the two teams that they've lost to are playoff contending teams. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think, a fair I think, point. I think overall too, like obviously it's going to come from a team that's obviously experiencing a lot of success too and the Dolphins being up there. But also, like, I look at it in terms of the MVP race, too, with quarterbacks, too. Like, I like the Burrow idea because, to an extent, Joe Burrow has to be the MVP for the Bengals to restore the success that they wanted to have. So a lot of times when I look at my predictions and stuff that I make in these sports and these spots is that what what is required of that of that person or what is required – like, what are you going to – what's it going to take to get that team to where it belongs or that player to where it belongs? And if it takes an MVP performance, I don't mind looking at a player like that. If it takes an MVP performance to take that team to where it needs to go – and I rely on that person to be reliable. Like he's been reliable in the past. It's worth noting that a player like that, certainly like the dolphins need to, would have played an MVP level to meet their expectations. So therefore like you can almost, it's it's not safer to bet, but like it's reasonable to believe that they can continue to do that. Cause that's what they need out of him. Yeah. And um, he's so far so good as far as, you know, sub 500 teams go be nice if they could beat teams that are actually good. But um, if he's putting up the statistics and they're winning games, then that's automatically going to put him in the MVP conversation. Um, Going back to wide receivers, Chase McGinty said, AJ Brown, another wide receiver who is having an unbelievable year. Uh, I believe he has over 900 yards. I don't think he's broken a thousand like Tyreek yet. He has six Um, straight games with over 125 receiving yards too. He's having a great season. Um, And if it weren't for Tyreek Hill, um, there would be a lot more attention on AJ Brown. But I will also say this, when you are in a run first offense, right? Um, Like the Eagles who are, who have brought so much attention to this themselves to the, with a brotherly shove with their QB sneak play then A.J. Brown does become an afterthought. And, I mean, the best the best feature of this offense has been more so their run game than their passing game. Their, their passing game is still pretty good, and it's a reason that, that they are 7-1 right now. But A.J. Brown is having an unbelievable year. Let me what – are, what are his actual statistics right now? A.J. Brown. Uh, I'm not sure, but he um... – so he broke Calvin Johnson's record of five straight games with the same amount of receiving yards. That was actually going to be a potential trivia question, but there was only two guys that did that. I couldn't find any stats of like other guys that had done something similar. Yeah. Um, 939 receiving yards so far for AJ Brown. Um, and I'm not even going to look at the ESPN projections because it's we're halfway through the season. But um, all right, here's another quarterback. John Warren said Lamar if they win out. And I look as a winner, I completely understand the pick because he is a he is a guy who is you know they, he's had a lot put on him in the past few years, not just with health but with winning big games. Um, the stats never jump out to him. The, like the never, the stats never jump out to you when it comes to Lamar Jackson outside of 2019, he has not been the quarterback to stuff the stat sheet. He has been the guy who, to win you games 
when he's healthy. But the key is number one, when he's healthy, and number two, he's he's he has to put up the statistics. Unfortunately, it, the it takes a lot more than the eye test to win league MVP nowadays. You have to you've got to put up the statistics, and if he's not even going to break twenty touchdown passes this year. He's not going to get consideration. People are going to complain and say, why isn't Lamar Jackson on this list? He should be on this list. But he's like, I get it. He is a, he's a very good competitor. He wins games, but it's the stat stuffers who are going to, who are going to uh, actually take this award. So I just don't think Lamar is going to do it. Uh, I mean, I could still see him doing it. Um, yeah, but I think, like you said, looking at the stats, it's probably not going to end up happening. There's, I think there's just better candidates at that point for Lamar's yeah. sake. Yeah, I think statistically, like, that's where it's going to be, like, where he kind of meets his end. But then again, like, he's been more efficient. He's completing a higher percentage of his, pass, uh, his passes. I mean, his career percentage is 64.6. He's up to um, 70.5 this season. So his completion percentage is up. He's turning the ball over less, and he's healthy. I don't. I don't think. I don't think the Ravens care if he wins an MVP. I think the Ravens care if he's healthy for a playoff run because I think he's proven that when he gets in those moments, he's going to be able to get you to some high places. Like the way the Ravens are playing right now, this is another Super Bowl bubble team. So even if he doesn't win MVP, like I don't think you want him to be an MVP for you. I think you want him to be healthy. I think in order for him to be an MVP, he's probably going to run around and get hurt. So I think that if you can keep him healthy, that's way more important than the individual hardware. I think it keeps them in the Super Bowl conversation if he's around and he's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all of the content that we have scheduled for today. But do we have any other thoughts before we end the show tonight? I got nothing else. Uh, I thought we pretty much hit everything that we needed to hit on. Yeah. and. I'm sorry. No, no, I totally agree. I was just, I was a pleasure to be aboard and good conversation, fellas. That was, yeah. it was great. And a very sneaky active trade deadline during our show. Yeah. During the hour 15 that we, that we were on during that little window of time, nothing happened before it. Not much happened before it, but then after chase young, uh, Rasul Douglas, Donovan Peoples Jones, it's happening left and right while we're on air, but nothing. Hey, there's there's still 15 minutes left. This this ends in 15 minutes, so you never know. Yeah, I'm still checking. I'm still checking the alerts, but so far, so far, nothing. All right. Uh, as I say that, and we go off air, and something happens. All right. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our, our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Over and out.